0: Uh, so Thanksgiving was
1: kind of small this year. Yeah, Megan, I was just about to ask, what's your What's your favorite holiday?
0: You know, I, I really think it's Halloween. I do like Thanksgiving a lot, and I've always liked Christmas, but as you get older, Christmas kind of shifts.
1: Okay, yeah. And
0: I think it's Halloween. I really enjoy it. So
1: Halloween, what's right below that? Is it Thanksgiving? Or is it still Christmas?
0: Well, I don't know. It may be. It may be switching to Thanksgiving.
1: Okay, oh, good, because you were going to ruin my bit otherwise. Because oh. basically, the the point is, Thanksgiving is very important to you. You I do. like Thanksgiving a lot.
0: Yes, I do. I do like Thanksgiving, and I like it. Well, I, I think some of it is partly because it was the only year I, the only time of year I really saw my dad's family when I was younger. Sure. And also, there's lots of food, and I love food, and I like that kind of food. Um, but uh, now with our traditional. Um Thanksgiving that we have out here where we invite friends and then uh, and we eat and we cook and it's a big potluck and then um, we watch a movie trilogy and sometimes get very very drunk in the process. I just have a lot of fun with that
1: <laughs> It is fun it's 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 a lot of fun I uh, I'm okay on Thanksgiving. I actually don't very much enjoy Thanksgiving food and I, I think know. I figured out why Oh it's because it's much like barbecue to me when you go to a barbecue, Everything tastes the same. Everything is heavy. It's either charred, slathered meat, or it's like a heavy mayonnaise-based or cheese-based side. Same thing with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is all about big portions of pretty uniformly uh, flavor-profiled seasoned meat, and then a bunch of heavy, starchy sides. Even the vegetables, we add bread to and stuff. You know what I've never seen hmm. at any Thanksgiving spread since I was a kid is just a nice, lightly dressed salad. You know, I have never seen that. I,
0: I think one year we, ma- we we put out salad and everyone looked at us like we were crazy. Right. <laughs> it's
1: not a thing. Every, every Even your vegetables have to be like casseroles or baked with cheese well, or something like that. Well, where
0: did that come from? I mean, it's kind of funny thinking about it. Probably it sounds, the 50s. Right. I was going to say it sounds like a very 50s thing yeah
1: yeah um and i think that's my problem with thanksgiving is it's just everything is heavy so i don't like eating a plate i like when i'm eating a plate of food i want it to be relatively well balanced so it can be heavy but i want like some lighter sides to like go back and forth from if i'm just eating all heavy food i get bored really quickly and then i just go oh i don't want any more food
0: I guess I think for me I don't know. There's there's some nostalgia in the food for me. I think sure is is partly what it's about. And uh, and you know, growing up the south was probably yeah. more used to that. You I mean you, you ate that kind of food, but I feel like your mom was healthier at that time. But
1: my mom didn't cook Thanksgiving food. Oh right. My right, grandma cooked Thanksgiving food. Okay. Um, so it was all <laughs> but it was not, canned green bean right, casserole. Right. But
0: I'm not talking about Thanksgiving food. I'm talking about what you were used to outside of Thanksgiving. Sure. That's all I'm
1: saying. I guess. Anyway. Yeah.
0: This episode is not about Thanksgiving. It's not. And no. actually,
1: it's been a while since we've recorded an episode. It
0: has. And if you haven't noticed yet, Grov is not here. It is just me and Dora. Oh my
1: God, he's not? That is not Gaurav. Oh, it's a pile of laundry.
0: You oh. do that. that. That is like the third time you've mistaken a pile of laundry for Gaurav. Like I mean, something... have you
1: ever seen Garav and a pile of laundry in the same place at the same time?
0: You know, that's a good point. I don't think that I have.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah we've had a lot of interpersonal scheduling things come up. Yes. Uh, there's been all kinds of chaos on our end, which has kept us from our regular recording schedule. And unfortunately, we are heading into the holiday season, which might continue to disrupt it. But... Even though we don't have Garab tonight because he is sick, Mm -hmm. we thought, man, we really need to record an episode and try and get back on track. So I can't promise it's going to happen right away, but definitely in the new year, we're going to try and get more on track. We're going to try and do it through the holidays if we can, but no promises. But thank you for your patience, guys. Yes. Um, If you are still listening to us and you haven't just abandoned ship and gone to listen to, you know, something else entirely... Um, so should we should we go ahead and introduce Yo, uh, the yeah, show? I think we should. So take it away Megan.
0: Okay, well I will. Uh, well hi, we are experience pointers. We are a trio, although today just a duo of RPG players and GMs who are here to talk about some different aspects of gaming and GMing and hopefully offer you some options you might be able to use in your own games. I'm Megan.
1: I'm Jordan and that pile of laundry over there is
0: not garage not
1: garage not
0: not. Not
1: uh, Although I might I might have to poke it or just tow it a little bit I, just to make sure he's not hiding I'm, I'm under there. I'm pretty sure
0: it's not Gaurav.
1: I should, do, I should he fold has his, my clothes. He, he
0: has his own apartment.
1: Also, uh, uh, this episode of Experience Pointers is brought to you by our sponsor... <gasps> Ben Danish. Oh, yeah! And Ben Danish, uh, long ago, <laughs> submitted <laughs> to us this pun of the sode, mm-hmm. and we are just now getting around to doing it. So, So, Megan. Okay, yes. Why is the cost of balloons so much higher now than it was when you were a child?
0: Oh, you know what? My brain was like, I'm just going to answer a normal thing. And it said inflation. And I realized that is the correct answer. <laughs> that
1: is the correct answer. The correct answer is because of inflation. Oh, you did it.
0: I did do it. I, think I did it. I
1: think that's only the second time that you guys have correctly guessed a Ben Danish pun of the soda. Right?
0: Oh, my God. So
1: so well done, Megan. Thank you. Thank Great you. Great job, pile of laundry. You didn't say anything. And also, thank you very much to Ben Danish for being our sponsor. <laughs> yes, thank we you. Appreciate it. And here's that episode, finally. <laughs> um, so what are we going to talk about today, Megan?
0: Well, since it's just you and me, uh, we actually, we kind of thought it would be interesting to talk about uh, relationships and gaming. And, and what I yes. mean by that is essentially jamming for your significant other.
1: Running a game for your significant other. Yes. Um, we are going to talk about this now because Gaurav is not here and he always wants to keep us from talking about our relationship. Yeah,
0: he hates our relationship. He hates it's our weird. relationship.
1: Yeah, Real um, weird. It's fun when Gaurav's not here. We can say all kinds of things and there's no one to refute them. I so know. it's just like, well, that's true.
0: And he's not going to listen all the way through to this. So he probably won't. He
1: probably won't. won't. Catch this. He probably <laughs> won't. Um, oh, I love it. All right. So um, we have some experience. In, in uh, gaming with each other, uh, we are a couple. For those of you who don't know, our uh, yeah, last we're, name we're, we're, we're n- married. Yeah, we are not brother and sister. No. Um, some people some people seem to think that we're brother and sister, um, oh. which which is funny to me. Um, but but yes, we have been uh, we've been married for three years. But mm-hmm. we dated for long before that, uh, mm-hmm. back into college. And uh, I have been running games for Megan for. Almost as long as I've just been running games in general. Yep. Almost from the beginning, Megan, you were there.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. I think you ran my first game. You did.
1: I definitely ran yeah, your first game. Yeah, you ran game. my first yeah. game. Well, uh, I... You've even run a couple games for me now at this point. But I I would say probably I have more experience GMing for you yes. than you do uh, for me. Well,
0: and I think the ones I've run for you have been one-shots, so which sure. is kind of a different thing. But um, on top of that, you and I have also played... Uh, pretty much every game we've played in, the GM had a significant other at the table. Yeah,
1: we were just talking about that before we got started with this episode, and yes, basically every game we have played in, I think every single...
0: Not every single game I've played in, but... but...
1: Every single home game that we've played in, there has Mm -hmm. been uh, a couple and mm-hmm. one of one part of that couple was running the game. Yep. So we have a fair amount of experience. I, when when I say we can talk about this, <laughs> we definitely can. We know what we're talking about, guys. You can yeah. trust us. We're relationship experts. We
0: definitely are relationship experts. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So. It's a great thing. It's it's an awesome thing to find someone who you can be in a romantic relationship with that also enjoys your same hobbies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel so bad for the people that we know who have who are in a relationship with someone and they can't share their hobbies. It, not to not to rain on anyone's parade. I'm, if that's if that's how you guys are and 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 that's what you like, that's totally cool. But for me, I always think it's kind of uh you know kind of strange when when uh a, a couple are like well, I like doing this thing, but they don't at all. So we just never do that together and I go somewhere else and do this. I mean, some people like having that separation.
0: Yeah, some people prefer that. Uh, we definitely are not those kinds of people. No, <laughs> we
1: enjoyed being able to share these things we uh, that we like with mm-hmm. each other. So um, it's awesome to have a significant other who you can game with. It's a really, really cool thing. However, <laughs> it does come with a pretty unique set of difficulties and pitfalls and common, common things that pop up in games, um, because that's just the nature of, of relationships. Human yep. relationships yeah. are complicated.
0: Well, they are. They are. They are complicated. Um, yeah. Well, I, so kind of starting off here, um, we want to talk a little bit about the potential of favoritism.
1: That's probably the biggest issue with relationships at a game table, is mm-hmm. either um, actual favoritism, or the perception of favoritism those that's the i, I would yes. say that's probably the number one thing that um yes. that people have a concern about when they're and that, running a game. that
0: can be very difficult and i think that this this particular aspect of what we're talking about um it was highlighted most for me in some of the games we played in as when we were both players mm-hmm. and the gm had a significant other at the table because uh, you actually just reminded me of one that i, I didn't remember because I seem to have blocked that game out of my brain somehow. But anyway, um, but uh, yeah, we, we we definitely had a uh, GM who was uh, GMing for their significant other and they created uh, a lot of storylines and things around that significant other. And I don't think that it was, it probably wasn't really intentional. Like that would be easy to do because think about it. You're like, okay, well I'm living with this player and I know this player's character really well. And you know, and I'm telling this story and Oh, wouldn't this be cool?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, from what I remember in that game, that didn't bother me a whole lot.
0: Yeah, she, I, don't, uh, I don't... She
1: had me. a kind of element to her backstory that supported kind of having this this extra thread being pulled on. Sure. What bothered me was that they kind of pulled their relationship a little too uncomfortably to the <laughs> forefront. Now, keep in mind, when we are talking about all of this stuff, different strokes for different folks, guys. Yes. If, if your game group is cool with stuff... Um, then, then you guys be yourselves, but. Well- in ge- this is like an in general. But, but that's
0: really the point. Yeah. And, and we'll get into that a bit more in depth later. But the, 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 the point is about being conscious of your game group and your table. And like Jordan said, like for you, I don't know, maybe you're a group of people who like on Sundays get together to have like a, a group orgy. And then on Saturdays you play D&D and you don't mind if those two crossover. you know? Sure. That's totally cool. But maybe you're s- like,
1: wait, is it Sunday <laughs> or Saturday? <laughs> Which day is it? Oh, i brought my dice, but also a bunch of condoms. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the, the thing that got uncomfortable was, um, her, uh, there, there was a, you know, a, a vampiric kind of element to things that are going on. You know, vampires have this whole sort of like sexual sensuality thing. That's part of their lore. But, um, there was a little bit too much uncomfortable flirtation, um, between the GM and, and, uh, the player. Right. And it, it a little bit would be fine but it was extended it was it was an extended amount of flirtation that excluded everyone else at the table this was an interlude that was happening where when the rest of the party was somewhere else um and things got things got a bit intense for my taste sure um and and that's favoritism of a kind um because you're also not only are you showing you know some narrative favoritism to your significant other but you're also kind of showing some favoritism to your relationship with each other as opposed to uh the relationship of the entire gaming table together Uh
0: uh-huh
1: so yeah that that definitely can happen
0: yeah 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 that that's an that's a just a an interesting pitfall i think yeah um so another one. Uh, this is another game in which, of course, we were playing with a GM whose significant other was also at the table. Mm-hmm. This was an instance in which the significant other at the table just did whatever they wanted, and the GM never. The GM would hold everyone else to particular standards, yes. but not their significant other. Yes,
1: we were all going by different rules, and in kind of, I feel like it kind of worked. Like um, in that game in particular, the GM would. Tell us when we needed to roll something. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, there, the GM's significant other would go, oh, I want to roll to see if this is in the environment. Or mm-hmm. I want to roll to see if I can make this happen. Their significant other got the ability to make much more proactive roles than the rest of us were sort of allowed to.
0: I guess, so for me, at that time, I was still kind of new to playing RPGs. Um, So I think I I was just, I interpreted that as, oh, I should ask to roll more often. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, I don't know.
1: I wasn't as new to playing RPGs, Mm, and it bugged me a little bit. Right. um, Because it definitely felt like oh, yeah, of course, you can do that. Um, The rest of you know, though, you're you're probably going to die. And that's, you you know, that's not fun for any reason at any game table, but especially when it's already like, okay, well, clearly that's happening because you guys are married, then that kind of changes the... the elements a bit. And,
0: and having said all that, we've also played with GMs and, and their significant others as players where there hasn't been an issue.
1: That's true. Yeah. Although, um, I will say, uh, in in the two other examples of of games that we've been in where the GM was uh, in a relationship with another player at the table, um, and this is really, really hard to do, and you can't always be successful about this, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I remember uh, one game I played really early on there were intimated consequences for the g m if oh. bad things happened to their uh to their significant other's player. I remember the g m would be like uh, yes uh, to their character. I remember the g m would be like, "All right, well, it looks like you got hit with some level drain, and uh their significant other would be like, "Really really level drain and then there'd just be kind of like this weird silence, and then they'd be like, "Oh." I guess. Wait. Did you make a save? Make a fortitude save, and then it'd be be like, oh, that is hard.
0: And actually, that that makes me think of an instance in Wild Cards in which I feel like that sort of happened between you and I. Mm -hmm. Um, It was when uh, Rosaline. She. uh, It was the Jack of Nines episode. So it was season two, episode ten, I think. Yes. And um, she basically got. What was it? Uh, Oh, my charisma got.
1: Yes, you knocked out f- you from fear. F- you failed a guts check, and you rolled randomly on a. T- I rolled randomly on a table and got mark of fear for both you and Howell. You and Howell failed the same guts check.
0: Right. So if you all watch Wild, talk about it at all. You know that Rosaline. Uh, I built her to be charismatic. I built her... I mean, she's a high-class escort. She's a manipulator. She utilizes her charisma, her persuasion, effectively.
1: And her attractiveness. She has the edge attractive.
0: Yes, and her attractiveness. And and his initial thing was to say that, uh, like, essentially it aged Rose. And, And I remember getting so upset. And I think that I would have gotten upset at any GM. But my ability to hide how upset I was... Uh, was impaired by the fact that he was my significant significant other. I think and and this, I'm 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 not making assumptions exactly but I'm kind of like applying things uh on the back end here cuz sure. some of it like I said I think I would have been upset no matter what and really what I was upset about is there's there's sort of this dynamic of course in culture of uh of taking away a woman's um beauty is way more harsh On a woman than it is a man. And I really didn't... That was really upsetting to me, especially for a character that I had created all about that. And for me personally, I like to create attractive characters because I've been told all my life that that's most of my worth, which I don't like. But I also within that have stayed away from creating characters that are overtly attractive and I finally did and then she got hit by that right. pretty early on and it was just like a Phew! but really what I'm trying to talk about so that's the issue I don't think the issue I had or how what actually happened that there was anything wrong with that we I bring just, this
1: up to say that we are not um, we are not above making these same right, mistakes but
0: what I'm trying to yes that's what I'm saying what I'm trying to say is it can be really hard when you're comfortable with someone to be able to Maybe, uh, uh not limit but just filter yourself like you would with somebody maybe you aren't as comfortable with yeah that can be really really difficult and and we we want to talk about what we feel is the best way to handle all these situations kind of at the end after we talk about the issue so we'll get to that we will so having said that do you want to go on to the next point
1: i, I do but i would like to address this oh, okay. really quickly okay. because um and and if you are watchers of wild cards um or, or even if you're not um you can go and watch this moment in the episode you can see it it's oh season God. two episode 10 <laughs> i tried to and it's relatively it. <laughs> early on in the episode. Um, it's, it's, it's when Jack O'Nines reveals himself before you guys get pulled yes. into the hunting ground. So you yes. follow Presley Riddle out into the woods. Right. And he reveals he wasn't Presley. He was Jack O'Nines in disguise. Um, and his horrific transformation was what you failed your guts check against. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in Savage Worlds and in Deadlands, it is a, it's a harsh realm. There's a bunch of stringent penalties on things. And I rolled randomly on a chart. And I, uh, mark of fear was what came up for both of you. I did uh, Garab's character first, and I I went with the standard like you get a streak of white in your hair. Right. Uh, I didn't want to do the exact same thing for Megan's character back to back because that seemed lame. You both get streaks of white in your hair, so I tried to think of something else that would negatively impact their appearance. That's what it's supposed to be. And I went with it makes you look a bit haggard, um, and it ages you prematurely. Um, there's it, it deepens the lines on your faces, on your face, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not regret that decision. I I, I later um, changed it to a an air of hauntedness about Rosaline that kind of makes her a a, a little bit more off putting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that because. I realized that my uh, knee-jerk response to make her look haggard was also based in this sort of, like, cultural um, kind of valuing women based on their appearance sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I do remember in the moment, because uh, I could tell Megan got really upset at I me really upset, quick. Yeah. And yeah. if you watch, you can see it happen. Yeah. And I remember going, what? No, this is just the game. This is just what happened. Like, I didn't choose to right. do this to you.
0: Right, right and there was an element for me of of needing to realize that this is a journey for these characters and they will change yeah and I, I don't think I was ready for that yet and I understood it better later on I went oh okay right of course especially in a world like you said that that is, is a savage world, but also especially deadlands
1: but if you watch after that moment it throws both of us off our game oh my god for yeah. a pretty long while it really did
0: it was really it was hard because I was I was I was really upset and I I kind of I, I wanted that to be known in a sense but I also didn't you know there's this balance to it and and yeah it was awkward
1: <laughs> yeah go back and watch that moment knowing <sighs> what you know now and squirm with us uncomfortably oh, at the table
0: i hope it doesn't look as bad for you guys as it does for us cuz we know but but maybe it will but
1: that kind of stuff happens in games it it's does, very difficult yeah. um but and and again we'll talk about that but i i want to talk about um this issue because this is something that yes. i personally deal with and that is not favoritism but the opposite of favoritism. My perception, anytime I have run a game where Megan is a player, which has been most of my games, is <laughs> I so much do not want people to think that I am showing favoritism to Megan that I sometimes will go so far the other direction that it seems like I'm dumping more on Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a weakness of mine as a GM and in a relationship because I think I am so worried about the perception of favoritism that I go out of my way to be like no I'm not being uh, showing favoritism see I just made this suck so hard for her mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't need to so I think that's another big pitfall when you're running a game for your for your uh, significant other is you might overcorrect like I have a tendency to do mm-hmm. can you think of offhand any moments uh, where yes. that might have happened Megan
0: there is one let's really just one.
1: dissect me right now
0: <sighs> there's one well, we talked about this. So this was in season three or four. I think four. Anyway, it's it was the uh, Sisters of Eminence episode. So season
1: three. Season
0: three. Okay, and and, uh, and we were in this house, the Sisters of Eminence's house. Um, and this was an episode in which Jordan Pridgen, who plays Gabriel Pryor, who is uh, Rosaline's significant other, he was gone. So it was it was just. Dom, so James Bogue, Hal Milton, and and me, Um, and uh, there was a particular sister in this house who uh, was, just didn't like Rosaline, which is fine, like outside of that, that's kind of a separate thing, but Rosaline. Uh, had been told that her that gabriel her significant other was somewhere else and that he didn't want to see her which is a huge thing for her um just within the particular issue that was going on there's a lot more of the backstory there but there was stuff going on so she's upset she's been uh put into a room uh isolated from everyone else she doesn't know where she is she Mm -hmm. doesn't know if they're alive all these things yes and so um this particular sister, she was pretty... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Just um, feisty is not the word I mean, but, you know, she...
1: She was uh, she was not meant to be a personable NPC. She was a very uh, non-people person NPC. Also, they were um, particularly hard on Rosaline because uh, this group were not fans of dark magic, which is what Rosaline employed. Yes. And... There was also a lot going on in the scene that you didn't know, which was they they basically fed you with a with a, a, a ladle. Uh, out of a bucket instead of silverware and plates like everyone else.
0: Because Rosaline can mind ride, which means that if she gets a hold of something somebody touched, she can see through their eyes potentially. So
1: because one of the sisters you found out later was telekinetic, uh, they were able to uh, keep you from being able to observe what they were doing because they knew you could do that by telekinetically ladling soup into this bucket instead of the silverware and bowls that everyone had touched.
0: But for my particular character... Uh, and me to a degree, Uh, that was just the rudest thing. I mean, like, for Rosaline, she was like, why is everyone treating me so horribly? What did I do? Why? You know, by comparison, especially to everyone else. But there was a particular... Well, this one particular sister and Rosaline just really got after each other. And yeah. I remember, I don't really remember how it brought up, but I, either I brought it up after the episode or you did. I don't remember just this frustration of you feeling like I, I Megan, was being antagonistic toward, like towards you or towards the character because I didn't like something. Uh, as opposed to it being my character being antagonistic.
1: Sure. And and that's, that is more of an example of us not keeping our relationship out of the game than it is an example of me uh, going through sure. the opposite of favoritism.
0: But, but, I, but the reason why I think it is an example of that is because I feel like at some point you said you felt like you were being too hard on me. Sure. Because, um essentially because I was your
1: significant other. Yes, so there's this weird kind of insidious thing that can sometimes happen when you're running a game for your significant other. Especially, you know, Megan and I have a have a pretty uh, good, open, communicative relationship. So I assume she always understands what I'm trying to do or mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. But as a GM who, favorites, who favors secrecy and the sm- small doling out of information, uh, that's not always the case for Megan as a player at my table. So sometimes I will... Will, um, have NPCs be, you know, negative or even dickish to Megan's character and when she responds... Uh, antagonistically i'm like no uh," in my head i'm like megan no don't you see this is like perfectly reasonable from their point of view like you can see how it's reasonable from their point of view Mm -hmm. but instead of me saying that to megan out loud i will just go in my head like well you should know this so i'm gonna double down on this until you realize you're wrong um which is both an example of us uh Mm -hmm. not keeping our relationship out of the game but also an example of me um not showing her favoritism so hard that I'm willing to get into an argument with her at the table. Yes. Another example of this is in a home game that we ran. Um, I was It was uh, a Savage Worlds mod of the MMO, The Secret World. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Megan as a player, and then two other players who were completely brand new to RPGs they had never played before. And in our second session, um, the uh, combat... Got a bit deadly, and I realized, whoops! These combatants are a lot harder than I thought they were going to be. Um, I pulled punches a little bit with the two newbies, but I killed Megan's character. Second,
0: second, second trip. session, One and of...
1: she really liked this character. I
0: did. I was really upset.
1: Um, I was like, well, so so the information I had was okay. They actually they don't know this yet, but they can't really permanently die they get resurrected just like in the mmo but they didn't know that Mm -hmm. so i killed her character because i didn't want to kill one of the newbies characters because i didn't want to frustrate them that early into their rpg experience i wanted to kind of ease them in a bit i didn't want to be like here you are welcome smash you're dead Mm -hmm. but i felt totally fine doing that to megan because she would understand she's my she's she's my wife um But she didn't know what my plan was. From her point of view, I had these enemies basically focus on her and murder her character she really liked in the second session. And she got a bit upset.
0: Yeah, I almost started crying.
1: (laughs) It was uncomfortable, to say the least, for everyone at the table. But then I was like, but you come back to life, which I then, of, of course, had to worry about seeming like I was capitulating to her getting upset, which wasn't the case at all. I was just uh, that was already what I was going to do. Right. So you see kind of the weird <laughs> kind of mental mazes that you build around yourself when you're trying to run a game for your significant other. It's yeah. it. Really what you should do is just try your hardest to treat them as any other player at the table But because of the nature of your relationship, you can't yeah. and even if you're not worried about it Even if you are great at it There's a good chance that another player at your table is going to see things through the lens of your relationship with each other Right,
0: And, and you can't control
1: it's that. hard to avoid Um, so how can you ameliorate that stuff well, as, as best you can
0: so? really and this is just this is a point that we will come back to this this to me is the answer for so many issues you run into at a game table pretty much everything pretty much everything it's just communication yes it's straight communication so for example in in the game that we were talking about earlier in which um in which we talked about the gm kind of allowing their significant other just to do whatever and, and roll dice that the rest of us couldn't i never felt like it was okay to communicate either to that GM or to that player, my issues. Mm -hmm. Because it it just...
1: That wasn't something that was set up ahead of time. No. Um, That GM had a tendency to be uh, kind of the, like, my way or the highway GM. Right. And it didn't set up a good vibe for open communication. I think that GM was actually, would have been very, very receptive to communication mm-hmm. like that. But that was not um, the the way things came across at that table.
0: Right. Yeah. So so that was hard from a player perspective. And yes. that is something. And th- this is another place where we can really use wild cards as, a, as an example. Yep. Um, Because, yes, it is a streaming show and in some ways that it doesn't really change that much. It it changes other aspects. It really doesn't change this part. Sure, sure. Because communication is so important and i think I, what i will say is i don't think i would have quite approached it this way without having the show aspect but but that for me is because i come from this background of drama and acting sure. and when you approach a show you approach it with a lot of these particular things and i was just saying this earlier um you know if you're going to go you have a you're going to do a play this evening and you had a, just a horrible day well there's a, a saying um, I don't really remember, but basically... Leave it at you, the door. You leave it at the door. Yeah, because you, you've you got to go and you've got to embody this thing and you can't bring that with you. Now, that doesn't mean that you just, like, it's gone and you don't care about it anymore, but you have to be able to sort of compartmentalize it so that you can focus. And the same really, especially, I have found especially true because we are doing it for an audience, but outside of that, I really do think it's important just at the game table in general, in general to try and kind of leave that stuff at the door.
1: Yes, so... um And it's not always easy to go like, let's say you and your significant other were in an argument right before game night. Like people are coming over and you guys were arguing and they come over and you still haven't resolved everything. Don't bring that into the game. I I mean, again, your mileage may vary. Your game group may be totally cool with you guys continuing your argument while they sit there and have chips and dip. (laughs) But on the whole, in general, you're going to want to just kind of put that to the side play the game, and then deal with it after everyone has left. At the game table, in the middle of the game, is not the time... To through the uh, through the magic of tabletop resolve your argument and hold the other player characters hostage and make them watch—that's right. not a cool thing to do. Well, I mean,
0: it's just like a party. Like if you're going to a party or some other kind of event, you know, you're, you're and, and you haven't just had an argument. You're not going. Most likely, you're going to try to avoid having that argument in the middle of everybody. It's a similar thing, and and also you should take it the other way around too. Try not to bring. Uh, what happens at the game table into your relationship. That's kind of a different thing. It is,
1: but it's an important thing to keep in mind when you are running a game for your significant other. Remember, in general, most game groups are good. They're Mm -hmm. good people who want to have a good time together. Most GMs are good. They are there to facilitate their players' adventure. They're there to challenge them, but not punish them. Mm -hmm. I, I am an optimist, and I believe that most gamers want to do that. So know that sometimes... A bad roll of the dice or things like that can cause pretty drastic misfortune for your character. Doesn't mean that you should then punish your significant other GM in your relationship because of something they did to your character. That's a bit out of their control.
0: Well, and I also think it's fair as the GM to treat your significant other's character as you would anyone else's. And that can be hard, like we said before. It can be hard... Whenever you're trying to make sure that you're doing that, it, it can be hard. But but I really think just on the player perspective of it, when you are playing in a game that your significant other is jamming, you've got to remember that they have a lot that they're trying to keep in mind. And they're, if you're worried about it, they're probably also worried about it. If you haven't, you know, already talked about that, and and you got to give them a break.
1: Yeah, I I want to actually really do. <laughs> I want to go back to that uh season two episode ten of uh-huh. of Wild Cards um where where you got upset about about that. Um, if you watch as, as we go, we're both uncomfortable after that. Megan's upset and I can tell why, but I, you know, I'm in the middle of running a game and we're Mm -hmm. also on stream, so I can't stop things and be like, Hey, let's talk about this. Um, but there is a moment in running that game that I remember I decided, you know what, because I was a bit distracted. I was off my game because I was running through my head like, did I do that wrong? Should I have done something different? Was I too hard? And there's a moment where I decided, you know, I've got three other people at this table who are here to have a good time and play this game, and I've created this adventure for them. I made the best call that I could in the moment, which is all I can do as a GM, and I'm just going to run with it and stick by my guns. That's what I did. We'll talk about this after the game. And I got back into my groove because I made that decision. And, and sometimes you just have to do that.
0: And I, and for me, similarly, it, it took me a little bit of time and there, there was an element of, okay, I need, whenever you're like that, you can't just shut away the way you feel necessarily. You kind of have to try and process it. But I had to do the same thing. I kind of had to go, no, I'm upset by this, but we're in the middle of the game. Yes, yeah, send a show, but we're in the middle of the game uh and uh, also there are 3 other people at this table and it is not fair for me to drag everything down for this and i felt bad i mean part of the reason why i had a hard time with it it was because it it was in the middle of these other people you know right. it's like okay now i feel awkward and i can't just shove it away because i don't work like that some people do i don't um but i needed to go through the process and it took me a little bit of time that episode wasn't easy but i did eventually similarly go okay we'll deal with this later this this is not an issue to be handled right now
1: right and we're not you know talking about this to just be like let us tell you this in-depth story about this one time our relationship came into play at a game table we're, we're talking about it to show you that it's very difficult to, to do this, to keep your relationship outside of the game table. Sometimes it's going to filter in, but the important thing is, what do you do when that happens? You have to remember that there's other people at the table, and this isn't just about your relationship. It's also about the whole game table and the experience of the game.
0: Well, and also, if you have... in if you have taken the steps to try to avoid bringing your relationship into the game and vice versa, most likely on either side, this is not a malicious thing that has happened. Right. You know, so I think it's, I mean, you know, that that's sort of um, dependent upon your relationship, I suppose. But, but assuming that you have a good positive relationship, most likely that is the case, hopefully. Yeah. Um. So on top of all of this, what I will say, just communication in general is so important. And that is one thing that I really think I really really truly think has has been some of the, a large part of the success for Wild Cards or, or you know what I think is success. Sure. Um is that we communicate so well, well and we, we have... trust each other.
1: We do. And and part of that is Megan and I talk about this stuff outside of the game. I uh, pay attention to the things that I do in the game, I'm aware of the times that I tend to swing to the opposite of favoritism, or, you know, times that I swing to favoritism. And if I feel like that's happening, or I perceive Megan is has been upset by a decision I made, I'll talk to her about it after the game. I'll be like, hey, did you feel like I was being too hard on you tonight? Or I'll say things like, hey, if you ever feel like I'm being unnecessarily hard on you because I don't want to seem like I'm showing you favoritism, talk to me about it. Tell me afterwards and we'll figure it out.
0: Right. Well, but even on top of this, it's about communicating with everybody else. Yes. So this is one thing. So I think we did this before the major time that we did this was before season three began is we we sat down and we like with the whole cast, we were like, hey. What do you have, like, what problems do you have with me as a GM? What problems do we have as each other's players? What, what do we feel like is not being focused on or is being focused on too much? Let's talk about, uh, we're going to step on each other's toes and that's okay. You know, we basically gave each other the permission to kind of open up and take risks and to be able to, to know that if the risk I take, uh, infringes too much on someone else that they'll tell me and vice versa yeah and and then that's what i mean by why i think communication for us especially in the way we play this game we we try we focus very heavily on rp and and creating grounded characters as much as we can within this world and it's really important and again this really comes in a lot of ways from our acting background and performance background but that doesn't mean you have to have that i don't mean to harp on that so much really why i'm utilizing that is for the example and where it came from and why but
1: it's also something that's important in any home game no matter your background a lot of people think oh we had a session zero and as a gm i told everybody you know talk to me if you have any problems you can message me you can text me independently or send me an email or whatever Uh, if you have any issues, and I'll work on it. I want everyone to be happy. But just because you said that one time at the session zero doesn't mean that that's the only time you have to say it. In order to really facilitate and encourage good communication at a game table, even in a home game, which you should value because it will do a lot to up the quality and the happiness of your game, um, you have to repeat that to people.
0: You do... And then on top of that, and this is actually something that I brought up with Jordan recently, is that it, it, when you're dealing with a significant other at the table, it's really important that you and your significant other vote both, if you can, voice to the other players that, hey, if you have an issue, you know, like for, for wild cards, I told Jordan, I was like, you need to tell them again. Not necessarily because I think they have an issue, but in case they do, if, if Dom or Jordan or Gaurav have an issue with me, that they can talk to you about that. Yeah. That both of us are okay and want them to do that. Because we have talked about that previously, but I realized, I was like, you know what? We should probably repeat that. Yeah, Because we forget it. I mean, I, the example I used earlier is like, you don't tell somebody you care about, I love you one time and that's it. And you never have to say it again. You know, you tell them over and over again because you want them to know that and because we like to be reassured and things like that.
1: Reassure, Reassurement, reinforcement. Yes. And also, like, especially if... I mean, typically you can tell if something is off at your table. Mm -hmm. There there will be signs of people like maybe uh, not having a great time. So that's another great time to just kind of be like, hey, I just want to remind everyone again, if you're having any issues with with the way I run games or anything that's going on, please talk to me. I want to be able to make this better for everybody. And then honestly, listen to what people bring you because you did invite them to don't be defensive. Just listen to what what they are dealing with. And then try and look at it from their point of view and try and make that better for them. That's your job as a GM. You're not just there to tell a story and and challenge your players. You're also there to kind of make sure everyone's having a good time. Right.
0: But on that line, or if you realize that whatever it is that they want you to do is either asking too much or not something you want to do, then you realize that they are not you are not the GM for them. Sure. D- that I, because it's really important to me, especially in situations like this, especially for GMs, it is not your job to make everyone, to give everyone the exact game they want.
1: Right. And that's kind of, I I would say that's maybe even a a topic for another episode. It is,
0: but I think it's really, really important to always reiterate that on this kind of stuff because I think we often hear more we more often hear, uh, you know, listen to other people and do what they want. And, and and I think it's important to add that that what you want and what you value and what's fun for you is also important. And yeah. It's really about finding the right match. Absolutely. Um, and there was another thing I wanted to say on top of that that I can't remember now. So. Well,
1: I, I'll just say I, I think we're, we're pretty much drawing this topic to a close. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of sum that up, um, communication is really the secret to, to doing this successfully. So open communication with your significant other as a player open communication with the other players at the table about hey yes my wife or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my husband or whoever um is a player in this game and I am the GM but I want you guys to know I'm not trying to show them favoritism I'm not trying to dump on them too hard if you ever feel like that's becoming an issue that's affecting your fun let me know let us know
0: think of your game and your group as a relationship. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about it like that, you—it you, is that. I mean, a sure. game group is like a group of people you come together to create with. It's almost like friends. Well, it is almost like friends. <laughs> uh, but but really, there, there's um, there for some people i would suspect a lot of people that's a there's a form of intimacy in that mm-hmm. and um having that communication and being able to build that trust i mean you can you see that in just a, any kind of relationship in a romantic relationship in a friendship in a, 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 a sibling relationship how much value that brings and it's the same at your game table especially when you're working together to create something that is a vulnerable that can be a vulnerable thing it, can it really can be and and i think acknowledging that it, it just can create so. Such a warm, wonderful environment for you and your players to come to and to just have fun
1: together. Uh, Open communication, good, authentic channels of communication uh, at your table will 100% make your games better, it, yes. it really will. And, and you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, well, great, Megan and Jordan, you guys have talked for quite a while about this, but I'm not currently dating anybody or I don't have a significant other or my significant other doesn't like to play games. So this doesn't really apply to me, but I'll go, aha doesn't it though haven't you ever gm'd for a group where one player was a really good friend of yours and some other people were people you didn't know that well who were new players same things apply you have an existing uh relationship that's more mm-hmm. defined with this one person at a table, your best friend who's your gamer, and I've seen just as much favoritism from GMs towards their best friend as I have towards their significant other. So it's still stuff that's good to keep in mind. Your relationship with everyone at your table might be different, but... As a GM, it's one of your responsibilities to make sure you're giving everyone their equal moment to shine.
0: And as a player, it's your responsibility to let other people have the spotlight sometimes.
1: So really, it applies to everybody. It
0: really does. It, it really, really does. So yeah, I think uh, I think we did that pretty well. I think so. And I just want to say too,
1: one if, more final on sorry, one no, more final final note.
0: One, shut up uh it it none of this is easy i just want to say because we can sit here and talk about this and of course we've told you uh, times in which it did not work but it it, it, especially if this is not something if communication like for me my family does not know how to communicate i grew up and needed to learn it in a different way and it took me time it's not easy and we are not by any means trying to say that it is but i think that in everything you do The value of it, you'll be blown away. If you can figure out how to do it, even if it's weird and awkward, like, still do it. Push through. Push through. Really, it makes a difference. So, yes. I think we have finally arrived at, at the question, question of the Sode, Sode. Sode,
1: Sode. I had to kind of pull away from the mic because I think I was spiking it a little bit. Yeah, um, you get loud. Today's question of the Sode comes from the RPG subreddit, uh, and it is from user TypicalDweller.
0: Oh, what a typical dweller. Uh,
1: and their comment uh, or, or their subject is GMs and DMs. Rule of thumb regarding placement of combatants on a map at the beginning of a fight. And their uh, question goes on to say, uh, sort of a general question for any game that uses a combat starts with initiative roles type system. Uh, So you have a fairly open area that your PCs are exploring and they encounter hostiles. Maybe they told you their uh, party marching order. Maybe they didn't. Uh, Maybe they have a standard marching order. Maybe they don't. What do you do when they encounter hostile creatures? What is your uh, general rule of thumb for where everyone is placed at the beginning of a combat? And I thought that was kind that of an interesting question. Is
0: not a question I would have ever thought about. And the reason for me, and again, I've not GM'd as much. And the things I have GM'd uh, didn't have a lot of map focused combat. That sure. I think only GM'd anyway. Um, but. Because for me, that is completely dependent upon the story I'm telling with this combat.
1: Well, let me illustrate uh, a, a reason why this might be important for okay. you, Megan. Um, so let's, let's say I'm jamming for you as one of the players in that situation. You guys are exploring a pretty big open field. And I'm like, uh-oh, goblins jump out and attack you. And I put a battle map down. I, I'm like, put your, put your um, party members here in the middle of the map. And then I put goblins like all but right on top of you you as a player might go, uh, ho- hold on, the goblins were right next to us and we had no idea? That might seem weird. Um, Also, if maybe one of you happens to be, or a lot of you happen to be really good ranged attackers and I just happen to put these goblins all within melee distance of you, you might go, huh, that's kind of crappy.
0: But I think what I'm saying is if for me if it was like okay here's this field where you know you guys i would probably go you guys are coming in from over there most likely because i would probably go okay this is my combat in which um there's the potential for them to be surprised or i don't know whatever and then i would place the goblins uh if they were being surprised then you know it would be like okay Um, They're coming out the trees, or if I needed, yeah, yeah, because I would, I would essentially go, okay, the the party is coming in over by that tree because they've been surprised, and this goblin's going to jump down from the tree. Or if it's like, okay, they're going to walk in and they're going to see these goblins before the goblins see them, then I'd probably put them further away. Sure. So to me,
1: but sometimes it's a random encounter. Um, if you use random encounters, which I don't think you should, but that
0: is not something I think I would ever use.
1: Right. So this actually, I found this an interesting question because I had never thought about this before, Yeah. but I do have a rule of thumb. I had just never realized. Oh, what is yours? Uh, so I have always just thought of it as, oh, I'm just kind of eyeballing it and I'm putting these things where it makes sense. Um, but I think thinking back after looking at that question, I tend to arrange the combatants in an. Uh, area around the PCs where it takes them a turn to, m- like they are within the ability to move in and attack on the f- their first round mm, in combat. The, the, the players, enemies, the enemies, game. or the players. Well, okay. I basically I go I go a combat has started when everyone is close enough to get into fighting range. Sure,
0: and that makes sense. For multiple reasons. First of all, you it's not fun to spend multiple rounds. Like, there's no point in spending rounds just trying to get somewhere, unless there's a reason for that.
1: Right, and there can be, there but can this be. is a general right, thing. Right, but that's what
0: I'm saying. Generally speaking, there's no point to that. That's that's a waste of time. Right. Um, unless they're, like, surprising the PCs, it does seem kind of crappy to drop them directly on top of your PCs. Sure. It does, like, I guess logically in my mind you have always sort of gone okay you guys are here and then everything else is around you
1: i think actually now i'm really <laughs> thinking critically about this cuz i never have before what i'll typically do is i'll draw the, i'll draw the field of battle or i'll have it pre-drawn cuz i know there's going to be a combat at x location or whatever and then i'll go okay so you guys said you were over by the campfire And you'll be like, yeah. And I'll go, okay, put your minis where you are by the campfire. Right. Then I place the bad guys. So I let you guys place yourselves first. And then I place things in dramatically interesting uh, locations around you.
0: Which is what I would do unless, um, like I said, I was like, okay, I want it to happen this way. So I'm going to put them here. But for me, uh, combat is... Always story driven in a usually any sure. that I've done. So there would uh, the the placement would be yes. I would either be basing and run where they chose to be or I would be placing them somewhere and my enemies would be somewhere for a specific reason.
1: Right. And I think for for most GMs, um, sure sure the, the rule I'm, of thumb is, yeah, like what what makes the most sense for this situation? right
0: And I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, well this questions silly because of that. that's not what I mean. I'm just I'm just saying because I don't think about it like that, that's what I would say. And yeah, for random encounters, I, I think this really goes back to me to you know you as a GM, I feel that you are here to essentially, like, raise your players up. And that doesn't mean make it super easy on them, because that sucks. That's not fun for players. But, you know, you don't want to just completely, like, destroy them and blindside them. That That's not fun. You want to set them up for success as much as you can. Right. Unless there's, a, you know, some other reason that you're not. So I think if it's a random encounter, you should set them up. You should know what your players' strengths are if you can. You know, if you've been playing with them for a while and you should set it up in such a way that they're not just immediately hamstrung.
1: Yeah. And I I found this question interesting because it's it's one of those things I've been GMing for a while and I'm pretty comfortable with with myself in the GM's chair at this point. But I had never actually taken the time to think about that. What is my rule of thumb for the beginning of combat? I just have a thing that I do, and I don't really think about it, but it makes sense to me. But sometimes it can be really useful as a GM or as a player to step back from the things you always do and go, Why do I do that? Mm -hmm. What's the reason for that? And if you can look at stuff that you do at the table from a different angle and look at it critically, you can actually kind of learn some interesting things about uh, your behavior and um, and what you're going for at a game table. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting well, insight.
0: It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of about distilling your reasoning or your intuition or whatever it is, you know, going, oh, yeah, why do I do that? Oh, well, it's because I think about it like this and, and being able to, in this instance, sort of impart it to somebody else. Not like your it's your wisdom, but you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I we'll be posting that link in the show notes. But I think that's pretty much for this episode. I think so too. Um, so, uh, what do you say, uh, Megan and also pile of laundry? That's just a pile of should laundry. we should we go ahead and do our our? That's just oh right, sorry, but we not, haven't towed right. it yet to make sure it's not Grav. I
0: think I don't think it is. No, I right. think I, he, he he can't Fine. sit there and not say something that long. But, so, but Grav,
1: wherever you are right now, wherever you are, uh, sitting in your apartment, uh, we know where he lives. in the dark. I Why hope, would
0: he be sitting in the dark? He's probably playing one of his millions video games. He's
1: probably sitting in the dark. Um, I hope he is suddenly struck with the urge to say a certain thing to end this episode of Experience well, Pointers.
0: yes, and also, but right before we end it, again, as we said, this is the holiday season, so hopefully we will have another one for you soon, but it might be a bit, continue to be irregular for a little while. We're going to
1: try, we're going to try. We're going to try, but... On that note.
0: Grav out there in the distant... Uh, darkness. Dark, yeah. In he's, the in the dark. he's in the void. He's in the void. Uh, until next time, until guys. Until next time.
1: Let's go!
0: This podcast has been a Saving Throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at EXPPointersPod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Callerman. Megan is at Megan Caves. And Grav is at Double GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv savingthrowshow. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes, or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening!